Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. I'm Ben Hong, Senior Front-End Engineer on the Meltano team at GitLab. And today on our panel, we have Ari Clark, UI UX Engineer at Liquid. Hello. And today, our guest is Sebastian Chopin. Sebastian, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. I'm Sebastian Chopin, and I'm a front-end developer, mostly a JavaScript developer, and I'm the creator of Next.js, a JavaScript framework based on Vue.js. You also forgot to add Dance Extraordinaire from your Vue.js <laughs> Amsterdam. In case anyone didn't see that tweet, we should include that in the link. Yeah, uh, wait, what? Sebastian's a pretty great dancer. Okay. <laughs> That's my secret. So now everyone is going to ask for it. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Tidelift the enterprise-ready open-source software managed-for-use solution. Tidelift provides commercial support and maintenance for the open-source dependencies you use to build your applications, backed by the project maintainers. Save time, reduce risk, and improve code health. The Tidelift subscription is managed open-source for application development teams. It covers millions of open-source projects across JavaScript, Python, Java, PHP, Ruby, .NET, and more. Your subscription includes security updates, from Tidelift Security Response Team that coordinates patches for new breaking security vulnerabilities and alerts immediately through a private channel so your software supply chain is always secure. Tidelift also verifies license information to enable easy policy enforcement and adds intellectual property indemnification to cover creators and users in case something goes wrong. You always have a 100% up-to-date bill of materials for your dependencies to share with your legal team, customers, and partners. Tidelift ensures the software you rely on keeps working as long as you need it to work. Your managed dependencies are actively maintained and we recruit additional maintainers when required. Tidelift helps you choose the best open source packages from the start and then guides you through the updates to stay on the best releases as new issues arise. Take a seat at the table with the creators behind the software you use. Tidelift's participating maintainers earn more income as their software is used by more subscribers, so they're interested in knowing what you need. Tidelift supports GitHub, GitLab, Bitbucket, and more. They support every cloud platform and other development targets too. The bottom line is you get all the capabilities you expect and require from commercial software, but now from the key open source software you depend on. Check them out at devchat.tv slash Tidelift. Sebastian, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Nuxt is for those that might not have used it? Okay. Next.js started as a JavaScript framework for server-side rendering application based on Vue.js. And today it's a framework for Vue.js, but you can create any kind of application it can be for a single page application like you can do with Vue.js. For a universal application where you have server-side rendering with a Node.js server running behind. Or a static application, a static website like you can do with Gatsby or Gridsome or Vuepress and uh, host it on any uh, CDN. Awesome. So for those who aren't as familiar, what are some of the advantages to doing server-side rendering? Like why would I, why would I care about that? Why not just use Vue.js? Well, actually, you can use Vue.js, but you will have to use other modules like Vue Server Rendered. Next.js is here to help you uh, get started quickly and efficiently so you can focus directly on creating your pages. What is important about server-side rendering is about SEO for search engine to be able to um, index your website and also for media sharing. So when you will share your website on Google, Facebook, I don't know if I can say names, but on social medias. Yeah, that one, that's okay. <laughs> okay. So when you share it on social media, you can display directly the pictures, the title, the metadata. And on top of this, for me, what is really important is the user experience you give to your user. So when you will hit your website, it will be able to see and read and scroll. And the JavaScript will be downloaded and executed behind. So you have a fast-looking website, and then when JavaScript is loaded, it's super fast since it becomes a JavaScript application. I've used Nux, and one of the things I love about Nux is the fact that you all handle the page routing like automatically. I don't have to like go in and configure every single route. You know, you just create the directory that you want, and Nux just knows to create those routes accordingly based on directory structure rather than like something you manually define, which I think is yeah. pretty great. It's true. Thank you. That's uh, it. Came from PHP. I saw it with Next.js, and before uh, even Next.js, I created this uh, framework called PGS, which was this kind of PHP uh, server, but for Node.js, where you have this .pgs file, and one file was one root. With Next.js, is the same convention, and we added this underscore uh, file name file where you can create dynamic root also. I think that's my favorite feature of Nux, so I don't have to write a router anymore, just files. Yeah, 
you know, riding routes is just so much fun. Why would you not want to do that? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it's too, too much fruits. <laughs> I'm sick of fruits. Yes. No, actually, that sounds really convenient. So yeah, uh, I've never used Nuxt, so this is going to be very enlightening for me. Okay, so we, we covered why server-side rendering. But you also mentioned that Nuxt will also help you build pages that aren't server-side renders, so spas and static pages. So why would I want to use Nuxt in one of those situations? Sell me. <laughs> nice. Well, like Ben said, uh, we have this uh, pages system, by, uh, so you don't have to configure a router for it. We also have uh, other folder structures that gives you features. For instance, we have the layouts directory. So if you create a layout, by default, you have layout slash default.view. You can overwrite it by creating this file. And then you can, for instance, display a, a header directly. And then next, we'll handle the navigation and don't re-render the header when you navigate, for instance. And we also have the directory. You can specify um, when you use view and you use router, router.p for each. That's where we will put the middleware for you. So you create a file inside your middleware, and then you can directly use them in your pages to, uh, to add a quote for this page. So we, we added features on top of you directly to pre-configure your application and makes you save time. And what I forgot to say, and for me, it's pretty hard after three years to... Uh, Remember these uh, first features that makes the core of Nuxt. The feature that for me adds a lot of value for the UI and for the developers is this async data function you will have. So when you create a page inside uh, your Nuxt application, you have data, which is a view component, but you can also have async data. And like the name say, it, it can be a, an async function that returns a promise. Inside this async data function, you will be able to call an API, for instance, like a CMS to get the content of your page. Let's say it's a blog post. And then you get it with actions or fetch. And then you return the data. So when you will navigate between one page to another, Next, will call this async data for, for, to the next page of the next page, wait for it to be finished, and then makes a transition to the other page. So you don't have to handle these uh, promises doing some loader for the page because Nuxt will display a progress bar at the top, like on YouTube, and then switch to the next page. So it's a huge win and saves you a lot of uh, development time. So would this be kind of similar to adding route guards to handle asynchronous stuff if you're just using regular view, but yeah. it sounds simpler? <laughs> Exactly. And it also works uh, with server-side rendering because Nuxt will wait for async data to be done before uh, rendering the page. Yeah, it sounds a lot uh, easier than using route guards because those can get messy really fast. <laughs> I agree. That's, uh, that's why any... Of course, it also handled this uh, child view because you, with view router, you can have parent and child. And with Nuxt, we came out with this idea of uh, if you have a file let's say we call it parent.view and you have a directory called parent, then the parent directory will be children of this parent.view page directly. So it all works with file names. That's yeah. smart. I like it. One thing I forgot, which is uh, pretty cool, is most of the time when you have a big view application or it can be a medium size, you want to use UX, but because it's not required for any uh, view project, with Nuxt is disabled by default. And if you want to use UX and have a state, you just have to create a store directory. And inside your index.js file, you can directly export uh, a state, mutation, and actions. And next, we directly import it and create uh, uh, the UX store. And same for the pages. You can have uh, each file, let's say uh, todos.js inside store, we directly create a, a VUX namespace for you. And so it's the same logic as pages. So speaking of Vuex and the, this async data, so could I, in theory, just use uh, a Vuex action as my um, asynchronous operation if I needed to? Because like, let's say, in my case, generally, all of my data fetching I do yeah. through Vuex. So I could, you know, assuming that my action returns a promise, I could just do it that way. Yeah, 
you can put all of your logic inside your store and inside your pages, you can just dispatch the store action inside async data. So it will just wait. Actually, that's the power of Next.js. You don't have to use the store to do this asynchronous call. Uh, and because the pages inside Next, so all the page, the view, um, the component used for the pages inside view router, they are code splitted by default, which make your code in your pages to fetch the async data code splitted as well, which saves you uh, uh, bytes of codes and makes your application faster. If you have uh, other questions, I'm happy to... Uh, it's all of them. So Sebastian, I've also heard some really great things about page transitions with Nux. Um, I know Sarah Drasner uses them a lot in her live coding demos. Can you tell people about you know how that works in Nux? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do love transition, and I wanted it by default inside Nux when I created Nux. So what I did is I I wrapped the root of view component with the transition component, like it's recommended in the view router documentation. And by default, I give the transition name to page directly. And the mode is out-in. So this way, by default, you won't have transition because Vue detects that you didn't add the classes in the CSS. But as soon as you add these classes in your CSS, it will directly apply the transition. And what I did for, uh, let's say that you have specific transition between two pages or most of the pages, but between page A to page C, you want another transition. So what you can do is in your page component, in your file, you can export transition as a string. So in your view component, you say transition, bounce, and this page will have the bounce transition. And you just have to define the CSS or you can use the JavaScript transition as well. Wow, that sounds a lot better than trying to handle that with regular view because yeah, trying to have multiple uh, different page transitions gets yeah. interesting. In fact, I'm not sure I ever successfully did it. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds really useful. Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't always want everything to look the same. Some things are special and it should show that they're special. They are. So what other fun things does Nuxt give me out of the box? Because I mean, it sounds like there's just a bunch of little fun nuggets everywhere. So yeah, tell me some so more. You have the transition. You have the pages transition, and then I will keep simple. You have these uh, templating, so pages layout. You can also customize the app if you want to have some uh, comments for IE or other browsers. But what we included as well is, so inside Nux, you will have view, view router, view X, optional if you add the store directory, and you will have view meta which is actually a library that we uh, we maintain. So it's on the Next repository and it is recommended. And I, I know that ViewPress, Gridsum is using it. And it's to manage your head elements. So for SEO, your title, meta tags, even your script on the body or head, it's included by default. So in your page, if you want to, have, to add a title, you just have to export the head attribute. And then it's an object and you just say title. And that becomes the title of your page. So it's really easy to uh, manage head element with Nuxt. And because we configured Webpack, so Webpack is an inside Nuxt. You don't have to manage any Webpack configuration or maintain any Webpack configuration. We work pretty hard to, to maintain it for most of the user. You can extend it, of course, but by default, it's inside Nuxt. So you don't have to think about this. And we handle it on the preprocessor. So SAS, less Tylers, we handle also PostCSS, so it works with, well with Tilewind. And so same for any uh, file, pictures, audio file. Yeah, so I think that's really helpful that you help to manage the Webpack. I know um, that's something that a lot of people try to avoid as much as possible because yeah. Webpack is not yeah, the most grokkable for most people. I noticed too that on Nux, you all have a whole plugin ecosystem, right? Yeah, so... In Next, you have plugins and module. I think uh, when we created it, it was not the best name to, to have uh, plugins and module. So to, to explain them easily, plugins are your plugins for your view application and modules are higher featured plugins. Let's say modules can add plugins for your view application. A module can extend the Webpack configuration of your Next project 
a module can add a server middleware. It can uh, change completely uh, how uh, Nuxt will work underneath. So modules are uh, Nuxt plugins, and plugins are just uh, your plugins for your view application. So that's where you will use uh, view plugins, actually. So Sebastian, in terms of like plugins and modules, so if you wanted like um, your pages to be Markdown focused rather than like actual view components, like would the Markdown like compiler be a plugin then, or is it more of a module? Like how does this work if you wanted to change this? Yeah, actually, you you could use Markdown by using some uh, Webpack loader directly. So I know that we have some modules that uh, you can install, add it as inside your module uh, sections. And it will directly support this modern file that will be transpiled with Webpack to HTML. And then you can use this HTML in your view file. But uh, we also have another system for Markdown that we are working on, which is called uh, uh, Nuxpress. The name is kind of similar as Viewpress, but it's two <laughs> different words. Actually, uh, it will make an API out of the Markdown directly. And then we will call this API that will send back HTML inside uh, the pages with async data, which is another approach. I, I believe both approaches are, are great. We took this approach to uh, to be experimental and try out uh, another area of the modern and see uh, what we can do with that. It's experimental and it's on Nuxt.press directly. And Jonas and Pim are actually working on this. That's really cool. Yeah, as someone who got involved with the uh, ViewPress core team, it's great to see more sort of Markdown-centered authoring yeah. um, for this kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's really great that Nux is definitely, doing this. I'll definitely uh, check it out. I know that MTX is quite popular in the React world and it's quite good because you can import components. We were missing this in Vue. I just saw that Gridsum with the V0.7 released a source plugin for, for Gridsum that can support these imports also. And that's, uh, I think we're going to have an MDV soon. So that's that's pretty good news. Yeah, you can definitely do this in ViewPress. But to your point, I think this needs to be more standardized so that obviously we're maintaining the same compiler. I think we can combine our efforts to have a standard for yeah. MDV. I like MDV. Yeah, just to emphasize for those listening, um, yeah, basically allowing you to use view components inside your markdown. So giving you more sort of control um, over like the authoring and content experience. Because sometimes, you know, you do want to take your content beyond just simple paragraphs and headings and lists. And you want to do dynamic things like including a live, you know, counter or calculator for tax purposes. Like it really starts to expand your ability to create really interesting content for users. Yeah, definitely. Cool. We'll definitely make sure to include links to Nuxpress in the show notes. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, there's uh, this movement lately, Jamstack and static static sites, air quotes yeah. on static. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about how Nuxt enables a, a quality developer experience uh, with that type of application. Yeah. So it, it all started when my brother uh, joined me with Nuxt.js. It was October 2016. He was working with uh, EXO, which was uh, an OGS uh, static uh, generator, like Jekyll, but for uh, Node.js. And uh, when I created the first draft of, uh, of Nux, which was having Webpack pages, and then you have a universe, universal application, he asked me if it was possible to, uh, to generate this HTML and save it as an HTML file so he can host it on his uh, GitHub pages. So I was like, yeah, why not? Let's try. So I added this next generate command. He was reading the pages directory because it generated the view router configuration. We know the routes. And because we know the routes, we can generate them. So we call our renderer, saving the HTML to a dist directory. And then we are able to directly upload this dist directory to any CDN. So that's how next get in, inside this static website, and then the Jamstack uh, word came out. So we learned that it was a new trendy thing that we didn't know that it existed in React world. And to have this uh, JavaScript application, which, which is not a static uh, website where you click the link below the page, but when it's loaded, it feels like a single page application. So 
that's really, really powerful because you can actually design your application, use async data like you usually do, calling your API, and then we will generate the, all of your links as a snapshot at build time and you can upload it. So you don't have to manage the server. Your pages are really, really fast because it's hosted on a CDN and you don't have any security issue. Well, you have less security issue because you don't have to manage a server. That's actually pretty powerful. And most of the website on the, on the internet can actually be static. And so also as a brief recap for those that aren't familiar with the Jamstack acronym, can you just explain to people what Jamstack is? So what Jamstack is, from my point of view, is um, a universal application. So you, you will have, when you go on the website, it will answer fast. Then you will have JavaScript, which will be loaded. And when you will navigate, it will be a client-side navigation. So no reload. What it also stands for, for me, is that you have static hosting. So your page that you are hitting when you put the, um, the address in your browser is a cached version of your page. And finally, the markup, the API you, you will use behind doesn't depend on uh, a specific platform. It can be, uh, you can hit uh, the API of WordPress or any kind of CMS or e-commerce and it just generates a snapshot of your website that you're navigating. And then the question is how often you regenerate these pages. And that's uh, where the beauty is. It's like a, always a cache version of your website, but you have no server, so quite no cost. Like back in the 2000. <laughs> <laughs> We're just uh, going back on time. <laughs> Seemed that long ago, but now that I think about oh, it. Oh, I know. It was though. 2000 it was, was yeah, 19 quite 20 years, years ago. ago. Oh, oh my God, God. my God. And, and we all feel old now. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Remember dial-up modems? I do. I can still hear that sound. <laughs> Mom, get off the phone. Take me off the modem. That was fancy. We had two phone lines. Ooh. <laughs> I had 56 kilobytes. It was great. Oh, I, I remember 28K, so... <laughs> I remember having a CD-ROM that gave me internet. Oh, yes. That oh, was yeah. such a strange yeah. feeling. I oh, think my yeah. favorite internet company was Net Zero at the time. That's a good one. And like yeah. Juno. I think those are the two. Oh, yeah, Juno. Free. That was a classic. We got totally <laughs> off topic there. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally okay. We're including in the podcast. Bonus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess like for me, it actually took me a long time to wrap my head around the concept of Jamstack. I think partly because in a lot of ways, yeah, it's just sort of like a new fancy label on top of things we already know. Yeah. There was this disconnect because I'm like, well, this sounds like this thing, but they're telling me it's this new thing. So it can't be that. And then in a lot of ways, it really is just that. <laughs> Remember how you did website 20 years ago? Well, that's yeah. Jamstack. <laughs> But yeah. don't include this in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I was like, oh yeah, cool. it's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that helps someone else out there who's like, still like, what is Jamstack? Yeah. Like, I hear it. I've heard like five billion explanations. I still don't yeah. get it. <laughs> it's what you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Data at the API level, Markdown, JavaScript to help make everything yeah. dynamic. Well, I, I do believe that API is what is different than 20 years ago. Yeah. You just get the data from it. The biggest disconnect for me was, you know, like everyone's like, oh, it's serverless. That's another thing that I find really yeah. misleading. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> serverless. Every time yeah, I like, see a static yeah. website, people say, oh, it's serverless. I'm like, no, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> people are lost. Everyone's lost. We don't know what we do on the web. Right? Yeah. I'm glad you agree with that. <laughs> I guess for me, like it finally clicked when I was like, okay, let's, you know, everyone's talking about it in this like really broad, like application context. And I was like, what if I just thought about it as I wanted to create like a pretty facade for like the Chuck Norris uh, joke database? <laughs> that could be Jamstack. Because <laughs> I mean, I've totally done that, but whatever. <laughs> Which, if you haven't played with that API, it is really entertaining. So if you're sad one day, the Chuck Norris joke database will always make you happy. I promise. 
Oh, we're going to include that in the show notes. Oh, yeah, we have to. And if you're not familiar with Chuck Norris jokes, <laughs> you need to familiarize yourself right now. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that. Is that, a, is that an American thing? I mean, I would assume so. Yeah. Are you familiar with Chuck Norris, Sebastian? Yeah, I think my internet connection stopped at one time and you guys freezed. So I oh. think, I know some of Chuck Norris jokes. He's, uh, yeah. I used to watch uh, Walker, Texas Ranger every exactly, Sunday yeah. day at, at noon. So yeah, okay. I do love okay, Chuck okay. Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? We have no choice anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, even if you don't like Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris jokes are incredible. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So as far as Nux goes, do you have any like upcoming you know, releases or anything that you can tell us about? Yeah. So one thing that is coming soon, I hope this week, uh, otherwise next week, is the new website design for nuxjs.org. So it's for the documentation. We added some pages with the logos, with the support we do for companies and uh, the presentation of the team and other stuff. At the same time, I'm also working on the full static mode, which is a, a true snapshot of your application. And it goes inside this uh, Jamstack static site uh, features area. So it will directly work with the PWA module that makes your website uh, offline capable directly. And also inside the generate part, Normally, when you have uh, dynamic routes, you have to specify them to Nuxt. So you can, you may have to call your API, get all the pages, give the routes to Nuxt so we can generate. With the upcoming version, I did a kind of crawler inside, crawler like a Google. <laughs> so we will generate the homepage, and then we will Nuxt will follow all the links and generate all of these pages. So let's say in, on your homepage, you call your API. You list your blog post and Next will see directly this list and see all the Next link generate all the pages automatically. So you won't have to specify your dynamic routes anymore. Whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. Actually, we use it uh, for nuxjs.org. It's only two simple Next modules and the crawler is, is actually 50 lines of code. But I just need to put this quarter inside Nux Core so everyone can enjoy it directly. But it's easier to say than to do for sure. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it always is. Yeah, we always forget the test. So <laughs> <laughs> who writes tests? Yeah, <laughs> except when totally you have to maintain a framework. But <laughs> but even though people don't really look at the test, but they're there for your safety, right? Yeah. Every time I'm happy when a uh, I change something and I see test failing. I'm like, wow, that was such yeah, a right? good thing to write this test. We're 90% minimum. For us, it's like wow, minimum threshold. That's, That's impressive. <laughs> I think it's kind of 15 minutes if I want to run next test. So I usually push on a branch and wait for SQL CI because it's way faster than my computer for the test. So, but, uh, Wait, which service was that? Circle CI. Yeah. Circle CI. Oh, you know what? I've heard a lot about them. I haven't used it. Do you have familiar with them, you Ari? GitLab CI. That, that is true, Sebastian. I do use GitLab CI. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> I know it's pretty fast. I did a, a next website on GitLab with the static pages, and the, the CI is pretty fast, actually. And, and it, well, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, for being 100% free, um, like free runners yeah. and everything, it's pretty great. 
Yeah, that's I mean, and cool I think feature. GitHub just released Actions too, right? So I need to like, I think that's now more widespread. GitHub Actions. Anybody? Yeah, play with I that? saw yeah. a thing I, where uh, I didn't try. Made a candy dispenser that would respond to every push they made through GitHub Actions, which I was like, best use of GitHub Actions ever. <laughs> Wait, hold up, hold up. Send me. Oh, we got to include this link. I have not yeah. heard about this. Uh, I saw a tweet about it. And now you know I'm not going to be able to find it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that that's works. the worst okay, thing about Twitter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I was just scrolling through my feed, so I I don't even remember who tweeted it. Candy, like, that's so like, if you liked it, maybe you can find it back. Uh, I probably didn't. <laughs> <'Cause I'm a laughs> <bad person. laughs> Damn it! I think somebody else had like retweeted it or something. You would never find it back. I, yeah, yeah, you'll never find it ever again. <laughs> it is in the Twitter black hole. I can always try it out. <laughs> no, I'm always like super jealous of other people who get to use like modern Git tooling. <laughs> Because we just have an on-prem hand-rolled server. It's uh, super <laughs> You should tell your company to use GitLab. You know, it can be self-hosted and oh, everything. Mm. Yeah, no, I should. <laughs> we lost our DevOps guru recently. So any uh, major overhauls, I think, are not going to happen. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. So we still use Jenkins for our... Wow. build stuff right? <laughs> <laughs> right i don't know if any of you have ever looked at a jenkins yeah I, it I is working for an oh. agency in france yeah well yeah we were talking about you know like websites of 2000 that's mm. what that looks like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it works but yeah it does, it does work then it gives you a nice feeling when using it that's yeah you know you win some lose some yeah. if it works that's really all that matters i guess yeah Developer experience is just not there, though. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. That's why you should try next. Oh, <laughs> That's a good flag. Good flag. <laughs> well, actually, we have these fancy uh, loaders. Instead of looking at the at the console at the terminal and waiting for Webpack to finish, uh, you have a, a nice fancy animation with a loader for Webpack. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But I'm not about to rewrite my app just to you know, utilize Nux. I'm sorry. I've already rewritten it once. <laughs> the next one. Yes, the yes. next one. The next one. Oh God, I hope that never the happens. Next one, yeah. <laughs> but no, now, now I'm definitely uh, thinking, you know, for my next personal project, you know, when I have spare time. <laughs> yeah, because you have so much it. of that. <laughs> yeah. If you find, please tell me that. Uh, right, yeah. It's hard to find. So speaking of side projects, what do you do uh, when you do happen to find a minute or two of spare time, Sebastian? Well, I look at Twitter, which is actually my feed for uh, all this open source stuff, because I usually uh, follow uh, a lot of developers and a lot of mentors that I, I do appreciate. I look at what what's new in the uh, JavaScript world and mostly in the view world. So let me try... Uh, What's going on? Trying Gridsum, trying ViewPress, and uh, enjoying the tools around. That's well when I'm on the computer. Otherwise, I'm dancing and playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, are there any projects in the Vue ecosystem besides your own, Nux, that you're really excited about? You've mentioned Gridsum several times, so it sounds like you're pretty stoked on that. So, yeah, that, there is Gridsum. I really like. Uh, it came uh, from uh, the Gatsby uh, system. It's similar to Gatsby, but for Vue. I do uh, like ViewPress, and I was happy when Evan uh, came up with, with this project because next area is not Markdown. It's mostly calling API, handling this asynchronous data. I don't want Nuxt to do everything, and ViewPress does a fantastic job for handling this, uh, this uh, static data from Markdown Markdown directory and then generate you a nice looking website. I know that uh, Guillaume is doing a really nice work coming on with um, this, uh, I, I don't know if I can say it, but it's this uh, new UI and it will support Next, but maybe, whoops. <laughs> Ooh. Well, that sounds exciting. Well, I mean, this, this episode doesn't come out for a few weeks, so maybe by then yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just super curious. Who do you follow on Twitter that maybe other people might not already be following? Because I'm sure pretty much everyone out there, we're already following Evan. 
duh. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the developers that you're excited about that are maybe lesser known? That's a tough one. Actually, it's, most of the time it's people I, I see on conferences. I really enjoyed their talk and I followed them. And sadly, I, I cannot think of uh, so many names right now. Most, most of the people that give talks, I do follow them because uh, they are they put in uh, and I want to know what, what are they going to share next. Yeah, I definitely, I was thinking about your question, Ari. I was like, ooh, that's a really tough one. I was like, if I didn't think I know. Like, as soon as I asked, I was like, that was, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I will say, usually people who give talks at conferences have fairly like sort of standard content approaches to their Twitter. I know that some people are afraid of clogging their Twitter with like a bunch of non-developer related. So yeah. like, for example, my, my Twitter account is only developer stuff. I try not to mix any like personal with it, just make it easier to sort. Yeah, it. actually, I would love to have this functionality in Twitter when I can say, is it work or is it casual? And then he would just, uh, you could follow me for my uh, uh, next tweet or my uh, basketball tweet. And then I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would then be I, actually really yeah. cool. Won't be yeah, like so, I know some uh, people have different accounts for that, but that yeah, it's hard so to manage work. multiple yeah. brands. Oh my gosh, I tried one time. Yeah. It was you know, like Jed Looper all the time um, inadvertently tweets from the View Vixens account, and it cracks me every <laughs> yeah. time. I, I do these with Next sometimes. Sometimes I answer myself with the Next account. <laughs> for me, the worst is like when you're on something like YouTube and you're logged in the wrong account and you watch a video yeah. and like oh, oh I just. Yeah. Up all the recommendations <laughs> yeah. for this account, and I did not mean to do that. <laughs> like, I think I watched a Super Smash Brothers tournament on like the Malpano <laughs> YouTube account, and I was like, "Oh no, now there's going to be what did Super <laughs> the Super Smash all over the recommendations." Now I was like, "Oops." <laughs> yeah. Now we know what Ben does in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do enjoy Smash Brothers. A good like a good competitive fighting game. Yeah, I've never played it. One of these days, I'll have to. Yeah. I'll bring it to a, I'll bring it to a conference. We'll have we'll have a little smash bash. Yeah, right. <laughs> but man, no, based on what you guys are just saying about speakers and their Twitter accounts, I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> no, not at all. I totally get like trying to be conscious of the type of content that you're even just like retweeting and liking. Mm. Like, yeah, once once you've like joined the void of developer Twitter, yeah, you start filtering so much more. Because actually, I originally created my Twitter account as a concession to my viewers when I was streaming on Twitch. It was when I got 2,000 followers, I was like, I'll make a Twitter account if I hit 2,000. <laughs> so <laughs> that, originally, it was just for you know tweeting, hey, I'm about to live stream, you guys should watch. And now it's something totally different. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it kind of uh, put you inside this persona and uh, it's pretty yes. hard to, to move on. That's, uh, that's kind of weird. Or maybe uh, I thought it was just myself uh, having this uh, thinking no. or tweeting. Like, I it, totally uh, do it too. <laughs> I think we all, even if we're not totally aware of it, have a tendency to sort of curate our feeds yeah. based on how we want to be perceived. But yeah. I mean, I feel like... That's just social media, plain and simple. Like, <laughs> it's just this filtered view Whatever. of reality. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Twitter's at least not as bad as, say, Instagram in that respect. But <laughs> Yeah. I think uh, yeah. we have a Next.js Instagram account. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben, I, I know you have a, an Instagram, right? Yes, I do. Um, I've managed to, like, I think I took all the Ben Code Zen, like, related Okay, so I don't personally use Instagram, but is developer Instagram like starting to actually become a thing? Because that might be my final motivation because my bestie all the time, she's like, well, you're not on Instagram. And I'm like, sorry, I can only manage two social media platforms at a time. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's becoming a thing, even though I think Pinterest has or Tribble has this area. And uh, actually, I don't think there is so many developer on Instagram. Yeah, okay, I'd also see now. Instagram also more of like, to be honest, more of the personal life. Because then yeah. I was like, yeah. Wes Boss and like Sarah Drasner, they're better at like keeping the personal stuff more towards Instagram. So like whatever they're up to. And then yeah. Twitter is still usually more developer, like career focused content. Yeah. So that's one way to split it up if you want. But I'm still presently trying to figure out the balance of that. 
as you know, managing social media accounts is not easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so um, unapologetically me that I feel like trying to strike an actual balance would just be pointless. So <laughs> I just try to not go on like really long rants on Twitter, but every once in a while, I'm a little frustrated and it happens. <laughs> every time uh, I do NPM install or NPM run build, I kind of hate Twitter because I know it's going to take a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of like social media and ecosystem. So as far as people who want to like get more involved in Nux, you know, is there like a Slack channel or Discord that you would recommend people join? Yeah. We have a a Discord server. So you can join it by typing discord.nuxjs.org. And we have a lot of channels where uh, you can get involved, help people. There is the GitHub issues, of course. We have the Stack Overflow where you have the next question tag with next. But I also do recommend to help on the Vue.js tag because if you learn Vue, you will be uh, better at next. So that's the pace. Vue is <laughs> the pace. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we have the Twitter. We have a YouTube with a small video of next. And there is uh, right there the documentation where you can learn. And yeah, that's it. GitHub, Twitter, and Discord. Yeah, and there's also a view mastery course on Nux as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there is the video on the homepage where Greg explained the, the benefits of Nux and uh, the seven reasons why you should use Nux. There is a really great course on view mastery and there is also a view school that did a course and other contributors on Udemy and uh, other platforms. But yeah, I do recommend Vue Mastery and Vue School courses because yeah. we work with them on this. Yeah, and if you, you know, if you like Vue Mastery, uh, I think someone on this podcast has some Vue Mastery courses. Shameless plugging. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but he's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no that's in Vueify. That's a great video, by the way. <laughs> uh, actually that's uh that's how i get into a beautify because of those videos yeah i never tried i hope john will not hear this but uh <laughs> you know it's pretty hard and i think he never tried next but uh, we we see the concepts we may have read the docs yeah but i never really tried and watching you doing it i had this uh, feeling of uh, doing it myself and that was pretty nice Wow, thanks. <laughs> that means a lot, actually. And you made a difference in the world. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad they're helping. <laughs> you didn't expect that. <laughs> no, I wasn't at all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think that's the hard, t- hard part about something that's producing content is it feels like something's just sending out into a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I don't know if this did anything, but I guess I'll keep doing it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, I feel like that with this podcast all the time. It's been like just this weekend, like someone like tweeted and like tagged me in it about like the effect that one of the episodes had on them. And I was like, oh, people do listen to this. Okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the void. Yes, yeah, no. Not just the void. So actually recently I just, I listened to an episode I was on just because I really wanted to hear the information again, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I was on it. But it was super weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird Personally, listening I didn't to yourself. Talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> weird. I think a lot of people want to get involved with open source, and also Nux is doing such great things for the Vue ecosystem. If people wanted to start contributing back to Nux, what do you what do you recommend? How should people get started? If you want to be part of the contributors, just go to the GitHub repository of Nux.js, Nux slash Nux.js, and look at the issues and try to help. We have plenty of open issues and there is some bugs that you can, uh, I think there are not really bugs. You can help us uh, make sure um, if the reproduction are correct. It will save us a lot of time. And I think it will help you to deep dive inside the code. And if you want to look at Discord, you can contact us on Discord. We uh, we are happy to onboard new uh, contributors, understanding the, the source code of Next. And yeah, ha- happy to chat and try to answer the question. And yeah, there is plenty of Nux modules out there that you can look how it works. 
help help issues and that's how i get into view actually and i think that's the best way to to kind of become an expert but understand how it works answering people questions yeah i think it's great you all provide support for people trying to get into source code because i know anytime you're working on a project that's not yours it's very daunting to look and be like oh my gosh like what does all of this do so Props to you all for providing support on Discord when people have questions so they can actually get involved instead of opening it up and being like, nah, this is too complicated. Yeah, <laughs> like close. yeah, yeah. I wish someone uh, would do that for me if um, when I wanted to contribute for a project. I mm-hmm. think it, it's a good motivation. So Yeah, uh, I know that's definitely um, something for work I have to help because we're, we're building something that's open source too. So I need to think about a good path for help, like allowing people to easily contribute without being too intimidated. So again, uh, major props for... Yeah, it, it all started with the contributing that uh, markdown where you explain how they can run the project locally, so mm-hmm. how they can run Next locally, and then trying to explain the directory as much as possible, even yeah. writing readme inside the code. And um, when Great. it gets harder, talk to a human. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, I think as we get to the end of the episode... Sebastian, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on uh, Twitter. My uh, username is Atinux. Atinux? I don't know how you would pronounce it in English, actually. Shouldn't you know? <laughs> Every well, time how, my how, French how accent French... came back. <laughs> how do you I would, say it? Yeah, how do you say it? In French, I say Atinux. That sounds okay. way cooler. Yeah, because the American, I think, would be Atinux because it's spelled A-T-I-N-U-X. But I think your way sounds way better. Atinux. Atinux. (laughs) So I'm on Twitter. I'm on GitHub with Atinux and Atinux.com. Fantastic. And then you got all the links. Yes, we'll make sure to include those in the show notes so you can find and follow Sebastian. I'm sure there'll be a new Twitter video of him dancing at a conference sometime (laughs) in the near future. So... Look out for that. <laughs> With that said, well, though, Amsterdam 2020, I might dance again on stage. Ooh, so yes, even more reason. So for those looking to plan travels for next year, Vue.js Amsterdam is happening. So, you know, ask your boss for money. <laughs> <laughs> or submit a talk. <laughs> or submit a talk, actually. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the easy <laughs> way. Uh, you can do that too. Ari, any final questions for Sebastian before we wrap up and move on to picks? Well, uh, it's been very informative, though. I've learned a lot, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Arby, for listening. Fantastic. Have you ever felt like JavaScript is just everywhere? Well, we have. We actually had a conversation on JavaScript Jabber about what you can build with JavaScript. We've also talked about what JavaScript is and how we're inspired by the language. If you're interested in JavaScript or doing web development, then you definitely need to check out JavaScript Jabber. You can find it at javascriptjabber.com. So as far as picks go, Ari, you want to start us off? Sure. I have one pick today, like usual. It is a Netflix show called Grace and Frankie, starring Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. It is incredible. Also co-starring Martin Sheen and, oh God, oh God, what is his name? Law and Order Dude. (laughs) Oh God. It's okay. We'll just call him Law and Order Dude. (laughs) (laughs) So the premise of the show is that... uh, Grace and Frankie are married to, uh, oh God, I don't remember, Saul and, anyway, uh, their husbands are, are longtime law partners. And then they, you know, late in life, come out of the closet as uh, lovers, leaving Grace and Frankie to sort of figure out what they're supposed to do with, you know, the short rest of their lives. And yeah. uh, Grace is very uptight and Frankie is very new age spiritual. And they end up, sharing uh, their the beach house that they would vacation at together previously. And it's about how their friendship evolves and how they manage to move on. It is very funny. They make a product and sell it. I, I won't say what that product is, but it's funny. <laughs> but I highly recommend the show. I think there's three seasons out now. And awesome. that is my only pick. Okay. Great. Sebastian, what picks do you have for us this week? Well, uh, I'm listening an artist for two weeks now and I really do love this music. I actually uh, code with this music and I don't know how to pronounce it but I guess you will write it down on the uh, article next to the podcast. It's called Thylacine. Thylacine? How, do, how would you pronounce it? Thylacine? 
Yeah, um, yeah. well, it sounds pretty fine YouTube, and uh, I would say it's kind of electro, but uh, I do love this music. It's uh, kind of jazzy at some at some time. So there is this, and well, I'm rewatching Friends with my girlfriend. We do love this show, so actually, I would recommend people if they want to uh, to chill out and uh, and watch uh, watch again some uh, old American TV show. What season are you on right now? Well, the number I, I won't say, but it's when uh, Phoebe is going to get back with Mike. So I, I would say that uh, Rachel has the baby, but I don't want to spoil it for people that <laughs> never seen the show. I mean, if you, yeah, I feel like you know, ten, ten plus years, spoiler alerts are off the table. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And uh, what I would know. I definitely recommend the ViewPress 1.1 and Gridsome 0.7. That's my pick for this week. All right, great. I guess I'm last today. So as far as my picks go, uh, for music, um, I've been in a real like Japanese like pop anime kick. So uh, Gurenge by Lisa is actually the opening soundtrack to the anime pick, which is Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. And so um, if anyone's looking kind of like, it's it's a little bit like shonen anime, but it's a little bit more like, there's a bit more violence on it. So it's like a little bit more gory, but they did a really great job with it. And so if you're looking for new anime, check out Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. It's on Hulu if you're looking to, you know, have like an official license watch. As and opposed to what, Ben? <laughs> Tornning or, you know, sketchy sites that might be stealing your data, I guess. You do. <laughs> but as far as my book pick for this week, actually, I'm not done with it yet, but... For those that really like uh, Bad Blood for like, you know, Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos yeah. thing, check out Super Pumped. Just, I think it was just released last week. It's a, basically about like the rise and pretty much fall of Uber. And so it gets into like the history of Silicon Valley companies and really like how Uber became what it did. It goes into the various founders and venture capitalists. And so as someone who likes to keep up with tech, I actually yeah. learned a lot. It made me want to read it. Yeah, I learned a lot about like tech in Silicon Valley and how things came to be. And you almost, he does such a great job explaining the natural progression of how things have happened and, and the various things that Uber did in order to establish its dominance, you know, some of the more questionable things and just a really fascinating uh, piece on just the whole arena. So, you know, if you're into this sort of like Silicon Valley startups and stuff, Super Pumped is like a must read. And if anyone wants to talk about it, just hit me up. My DMs are open. <laughs> yeah, I think I will read it in DM you. Yes, please. Um, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. Yeah, I read someone who tweeted like the day it came out. It was like, today I learned that Uber spent like some ridiculous amount of money on essentially a week-long party. And I was like, oh, cool. Whoa. Yeah, it was 20, $25 million yeah. on a company retreat in Vegas. It was like a weekend. Holy crap. Yeah, it was more than like the, one of their series round. It was in yeah. like, the, the, yeah. the spending they had um, is just crazy. And again, I know that there's obviously a lot of controversy when it comes to Uber and some of its like yeah. workplace practices. But again, it's still fascinating to learn about the origins and how that came to be. Because um, like anything else, there's um, it's a double-edged sword. There were things that were really positive about the way Uber approached it. And obviously there are negatives. And so taking it from a more academic perspective, super pumped is just a really great read. So yeah. highly recommended. I'm actually ordering it right now on Amazon. <laughs> awesome. Yes, you and I will chat more about this then when you start reading it. Let me know. Yeah. Cool. All right. With that, that is it for this episode of Views on View. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, enjoy the view. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.